Indeed, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's like we want to like give him a round of applause. I mean, what a hero. What a hero, our Savior Jesus Christ. And this is one of those gospel passages that just brings it forth, his heroism. God hero, Prince of Peace, Wonder Counselor. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you for your strength, for your, your fidelity to the word of God. I mean, he's quoting from the Old Testament, but he's certainly making this himself. I mean, this, this is really Jesus' life motto, and we see it from the beginning to the end of his ministry. One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. That's how he lived. I mean, this literally was the truth of his life. The will of the Father, the word of the Father. That's my sustenance. That's what's going to sustain me. That's why he could be asleep on the cushion in the stern of the boat. Because he had absolute confidence and trust in his heavenly father. He knew who he was, the beloved son of God. He knew that at every instant of his conscious life on this earth. And he models that for us. With gentleness, with compassion, he knows of what we are made. He knows that we are children of the first Adam. He knows that our story begins in what we heard in in the book of Genesis. He knows that we are children of the fall. That we, like Adam and Eve, do what I, I... The catechism says so beautifully, one of the most beautiful expressions of the catechism, we allow trust in God to die in our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's, it's, it's the reality that it conveys is not beautiful because it's, it's why we sin, but it's, it's a beautiful expression of it. It's so resonant. We allow trust in God to die in our hearts. That's what Eve did. That's what Adam did. I mean, they had bounty that we've never experienced before. I mean, I've got a friend who loves going to Hawaii. There's bounty there. I don't know where you like to go. I mean, you know, where is it most lush? I mean, yesterday was a beautiful day. Yesterday was bountiful. Today looks like the same. I mean, but we don't know the bounty that was the Garden of Eden before the fall. We don't know the richness of those fruits and vegetables and everything that they were given free reign to take and to receive and to enjoy. We don't know the beauty of the weather they had. And in spite of all that, there was this opening to allow even their trust in God and all that he'd given them to die in their heart. That's the mystery of iniquity. I mean, this is one of the phrases of, of our church, right? The mystery of iniquity. It is, it's, it, I, I can't, none of us can, can untie that mystery. How is it? How is it, Eve, Adam? How is it that with all of this and knowing God as you knew him and walking with him in the garden, how is it that you allowed trust in him to die in your heart. But so it happened. And yet, Paul, the genius, the the theologian for all the ages, 
he ties it together. I mean, and he, he says it over and over and over again, right? This is one of those great passages. Like, during the ordinary time, the, the second reading doesn't always have an explicit reference to the, the first in the gospel, right? But this does, clearly. I mean, he's tying Genesis to the desert and Jesus. He's saying just as one man's sinful act, you know, <laughs> let go for all of us, you know, the grace that we had in our communion with God. So the act, the righteous act of the one righteous man, Jesus Christ, has brought acquittal in life to all. We need to cling to that. We need to hold on to Jesus, our Savior, knowing that his righteousness is enough. His righteousness has saved us. And isn't it interesting that while the mystery of iniquity found its way into the hearts of Adam and Eve and brought them to that calamity of original sin, which expelled from them from the garden and brought all suffering into the world that we know. And that happened in the abundance of Eden. The righteousness of Jesus and his triumph over the devil began to occur in a desert where it was the furthest thing from life and abundance. And even in the midst of that desert, to add to it 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, you talk about vulnerability. You talk about your defenses being down. But Jesus' defenses weren't down because he never trusted ultimately in anything that God had created. He simply trusted in God. One does not live on bread alone. Even one when happens to be starving after a 40-day fast, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Even in the desert, there was a place in Jesus' heart where his spirit was asleep on a cushion because the hand of God was holding him. Just as when he felt abandoned on the cross at the end of the test of the trial of his life on earth, he was still able to entrust himself into his father's hands. My brothers and sisters, can we live on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. We can not by our own power, but because of the power of Jesus living in us. We can do it because of the divine power that lives in us through our Eucharistic communion with his body and blood. We can do it because of the divine forgiveness we receive. Every time we make a sincere act of contrition, and every time we receive absolution in the sacrament of confession. We can live on every word that comes forth from, from, the word, from the mouth of God, including, this is my body, which is for you. I absolve you. These are words of God on which we can live. And we know that we've, we've been reminded of that this weekend. We've discovered that in little and, and bigger ways. 
And we have things, we have little wellsprings that have risen up in our hearts this weekend. New springs of life that we can keep going back to, to drink from. Because the life that God has given us through our reflection upon his word and through our communion with him and with each other, that's not going to go away. That's part of the resurrection life that Jesus has sent us from heaven. So we have the courage to enter our own fast. We have the courage to stand up against the lies that the father of lies tells us. He is the father of lies. I mean, Genesis shows it. Boom. Surely you will not die. It's a lie. Even when the evil one uses some bit of truth, even when he uses a line from Scripture like he did with Jesus, in the purity of body and mind and heart that we have gained through our fasting and our prayer, the Holy Spirit can help us to discern and to expose the lie. And with the strength of Jesus, we can remind ourselves that it is the Lord our God whom we shall worship and him alone whom we shall serve because he is the one whose word, the word who is Jesus Christ and the words spoken through Jesus Christ in Scripture, he is the one whose word will feed us and will give us everlasting life.